Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Man, I've got to preach around these undergarments today. <laughs> Y'all better shout, because I might come over this pile of t-shirts and shake somebody today. Man. <laughs> yeah. We're going to just preach the anointing all over these things and just... Jesus' name. Uh, y'all probably thought I was going to throw them out like on Pentecost when I threw out all the bread. <laughs> some of you might need some, though, so I might, might have some extras up here. Oh, Lord, thank you, God. There's cycles in our life that we have to learn how to stop. And there's things that have been passed down to us that we're going to have to deal with. And just because it wasn't your fault of what you received, it's still your responsibility to stop that cycle and to help your progeny. So the message this morning is from pain to posterity. From a place of pain, but from that would create a cry in us that would begin to, uh, begin to expand us and begin to stretch us to where our children wouldn't have to face the same demons that, that we had to face. Just look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, it stops with me today. Today. Stops with us today. I feel like the Lord is doing a stretching in us and he's doing a stretching in myself. The other day in my quiet time, the Lord asked me, he said, do you want to be known for preaching or for presence? And how many of you know when you ask a preacher if he wants to be known for preaching or presence, there's a, there, there's a battle going on <laughs> inside. But I never hesitated. I said, Lord, I want to be known for presence more than I ever want to be known for, present, for preaching because it's all about him. It's all about him. Like There's no secret sauce. There's no secret formula. It's just all about Jesus. And if you will just make your life and point your life towards Jesus, he'll begin to orchestrate and do things in you that you can't even ask, think, imagine, or even speculate on. I, sometimes I just say, Lord, don't let me know because I'm going to try to figure it out and turn it into a formula and a strategy. And that would rob you of the glory of the miracle that you want to do in my life. So God, leave me out of it. Just keep my heart right and let me keep seeking you and your kingdom. But the Lord is doing some stretching in us. And, 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 and here's what I found out. The more you're able to be stretched, the more you're able to hold. I was, it was a rare moment the other day. I was actually folding some laundry. You know, when a guy does something in the house, they celebrate it. And we'll, and, and we'll bring it up every time. Hey, I did that. That time you threw them clothes on the couch and I folded them. You remember that? It's just how we are. But I was getting these clothes. It looked like some Barbie doll clothes here. And I said, whose are these? My wife said, those are Kennedy's leggings. I said, how in the world does anybody get into something like that? But how many of you know the more you stretch, the more you can hold? Yeah, yeah, the more you stretch, the more you can hold. And so in our text today, we read about a young man 
who is born in the middle of chaos. His name is Jabez or Yabetz in the Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for pain is otsev. And so it's a, it's a play on words. It's like, a, it's like a rhyme or like a similar sound. And so we're not sure about the pain that he was born into. We're not sure what caused the pain. We, we don't know. One thing we do know is he was tired of causing pain. And how many of you in here are tired of causing pain? Any Jabez is in here, tired of causing some pain. So this young man was born in the time of the judges. And in the time of the judges, there's this uh, statement that is kind of the theme of judges. And that statement is this, that everyone at this time did what was right in his own eyes. Because there was no righteous leaders that they could look to to begin to lead their life into or model themselves after. So he's born in this time of chaos in Israel. So he's born in a very pivotal time. He's born in a very crucial time. He's born in this really just this, if you ever could pick when you wanted to be born, you wouldn't say, oh God, let me be born in the time of Judges. Because it seems like every judge that rose to prominence, whether it be Gideon or Samson or whoever, they always had a mighty fall because they let something else in. So, so this would be a time where you would say, I don't want to be born in the dispensation of what God is doing in the earth in Judges. But how many of you know you can't choose when you're born? That's out of your hands. <laughs> So he's born into a time that he didn't ask to be born into and born from a mom that sounds like she, her prophetic declaration over her son was that his name would be pain. Now, how would you like everywhere you go that your name's mentioned and there's one word mentioned with it, pain? Here comes pain. Now, some of y'all been called pain. Yeah, yeah, know, y'all in, in areas we know. Many, yeah, necks and you know, everything. But who likes pain in here? Does anybody like pain? Nobody likes pain. And so here he is carrying this prophetic declaration. That everywhere he goes, he's bringing one thing with him, pain. So somehow in the middle of this crazy time of judges and times of complete chaos and utter chaos, we see him stop in the middle of a genealogy. First Chronicles starts with chapters 1 through 9 with just genealogy. So-and-so beget so-and-so, and so-and-so beget so-and-so, and so-and-so beget so-and-so. You ever just, that doesn't seem like the exciting place to read in the scriptures. Do you ever just kind of, you know, like even when you're reading that, you, you, you kind of like look to make sure nobody's looking. Because when you're reading that, you really don't know how to say the names. Can we just, can we just be real? Hassan Pfeffer gave begot 
Josabash and Joshabaji, and you just like, by the end of it, you feel like you got the gift of tongues, and you're just, <laughs> somebody's interpreting, and you're just like, you know what, I'll just read this in my head. It seems like wasted words. But they're not wasted words, and here's why they're not wasted words, because it was informing a people who was in exile of where they came from. It was a people struggling with their identity who had to be reminded of where they came from. So even though we get caught up in it and it doesn't mean a whole lot to us, the original readers of that, that Ezra, when he comes back uh, on the orders of the Persian emperor at the time, and they had been in 70 years of Babylonian captivity, and then the Persians defeat the Babylonians and then begin to say, all right, go back to your land and we're going to let you build your temple, we're going to let you build the wall, we're going to let you build everything, we're going to let you rebuild your city. That it meant something to Ezra because he didn't want their identity to be lost. He didn't want them to think that they had just popped out onto the scene and there was no meaning behind them and there was nowhere to go forward but he he was letting them know that in the middle of exile in the middle of being in a place of the judges a place where nobody would want to be born that there would be a man by the name of pain and in the middle of that pain he would stand up and say oh lord that you would bless me that you would stop this succession of crazy chaos that you would stop this thing that doesn't look like it's going forward or going anywhere and that you would hear my prayers and that you would not only bless me, but you would bless an entire city, an entire civilization based upon me calling out to you. Whew, I'm going to have to work for it this morning. I can already tell. That's all right. You're worth the wait. That in the middle of chaos and pain, A man would say it stops right here and would call out upon God. Now, there's something that we read about in 1 Chronicles 2, verse 55, and there's a city called Jabez. And in the text, there's some clues here where it says that he's more honorable than his brothers. Yeah. So we get this sense that here he is as more honorable. And so his prayer that to enlarge his borders, his prayer to enlarge his coast, his prayer to, to, to begin to stretch him out of the pain that he was experiencing and begin to stretch him into the place that God had for him, that what God was doing in that stretching and in that place was actually bigger than Jabez. Like we read it like God's bless me, God extend me, God do for me, but that's not at all what's going on here. Jabez is saying, Lord, extend my influence and enlarge my borders, not just for myself, but for an entire city. Because as I'm more honorable and as I'm in charge, if you don't stretch me and bless me, then the people under me are going to experience lack. They're going to experience the same trepidation that I'm in. That this stretching on the inside, this pain that he was born into was actually bringing something to the place of maturity. And here's what I found is that stretching and enlarging is always born out of some kind of pain. 
that some of you are experiencing great pain. And pain is kind of like anger. It's not a sin, okay? But what you do with it can lead you into sin or can lead you into righteousness, right? So the Bible says, be angry and sin not, right? It's not a sin to be angry, but what am I going to do with the anger? Am I going to funnel it to fix a problem and bring reconciliation? Or am I going to allow it to isolate me and bring division against the things that God... And so pain is the same way. Pain will make you do things that you didn't want to do. Yeah. Pain will make you say things that you didn't want to say. How many dads ever been in the birth room before? <laughs> hey, pain hurts. I'm just here to tell you. That pain will lead you to act ways you really don't want to act. You ever acted some way you didn't want to act? Happens to me all the time. And it's generally some level of pain or fear of intimacy that I've not dealt with that gets me to put up an arm in front of someone and still letting them come close. And it's crazy because here's how crazy we are as humans. The very thing we need, love, affection, acceptance, uh, someone to hold us and just pray for us, will be the very thing we're too proud to receive. That Jabez could have walked around and said, nobody calls me pain. I'm going to prove everybody wrong and I'm going to prove them all wrong that I'm not pain. And I'm going to be overly good everywhere I go. See, that's an okay statement, but the motivation is self-fulfilling. It's, it's, it's self. It's just, it's just this kind of attitude and arrogance that would try to prove others wrong. But what I love about Jabez is what he does is in the middle of this pain, in the middle of being afraid that his name would be prophetic, he calls out to God. <laughs> he turns his pain into a prayer that hits heaven and then heaven comes to earth and Jabez is established as the father of an entire city. So that he would take the meaning of pain and he would change it for an entire generation and for an entire lifetime. Listen to me. Some of us have let pain define us and we've let it label us. But I want to tell you something. You can change the meaning of that pain. Every pain that you experience can be redeemed into something of value for God. Every single one of it. So now Jabez qualifies pain. He, he redeems pain in a sense so that now when we think of Jabez, we don't think pain. We've got to actually do some digging to even find that. That when we read Jabez, we actually think of God enlarging something, of stretching something, of growing something, of extending influence in something, of doing something amazing in our lives. This is where God would have us to go with our pain where we say this pain cycle I'm not going to inflict pain on others <laughs> because I'm hurt because I mean you know hurt people hurt people it's just it's just what it is you hurt me I'm going to let you feel it and there's so many ways that this manifests hurt manifests in so many different ways 
Some people just give you the cold shoulder every time. Huh. How you doing? Hmm. <laughs> doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what inside what they want what they're thinking? I wish they would run me down and grab me and make me look them in the face and say, let's pray. Because nobody wants to be perpetually in pain. But to be vulnerable and to say, I need help. The pride that keeps us from doing that will perpetuate generations of pain. And it gets passed down and passed down. I've seen it manifest in other ways. Conversations that I'm having with people, the quickest way to shut them down, that person will just start crying. And it's not tears of repentance, it's don't go any further. That the devil is so crafty he will actually get you to learn the best survival techniques to keep people from touching your pain. He'll even create techniques that make you look spiritual. Well, if I raise my hands and shout up at these altars, nobody will know. So we use spirituality as a cloak for our vice and our pain and our anger that keeps us from crying out to the Lord. Stretching and enlarging is born out of pain. That's why when a woman is pregnant, she's stretched because life is on the inside of her. And having children is painful, and anything born that's worth anything is painful. But here's what's so cool is like Genesis 3, God says, from now on, there's going to be pain in childbirth, right? Did that stop anybody from having kids? That pain doesn't have to stop progress pain doesn't have to stop progeny matter of fact pain is the thing that it lets us know how much it is worth to have that thing in the beginning in the first place yeah that pain costs us something because pain always puts us in the crossroads where we're going to have to make a decision to do what's right or do what's wrong. It just, it just always is. That pain is a pathway to blessing or a pathway to curse. That Jabez is not looking for this prophetic pain cycle to continue. That he decides, stops with me. It stops with me, and I don't want to cause pain anymore. And as simple as that statement is, that's the start of healing right there. If you really want to be healed, you need to say, I'm tired of causing pain. 
tired of it. I'm tired of living in cycles of sin that obviously causes pain to everyone around me. I'm tired of, of causing pain to those who are under me and under my influence, to those who are above me in authority. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of pain, and I want to experience God's love and his humility, and I want to get better. Jesus uses the present pain of circumstance to lead you to the true source of the problem because he wants to heal you at the source. So if you want to find what your issue is, follow the pain. Because the pain is never the real issue. There's always something at the source of that pain that is the actual issue. And so if we're going to be healed and we're going to be a people that can handle the stretching, we're going to have to not tell God to take away the pain. We're going to have to let the pain allow God to show us what the real issue is in our life and in our heart. That's where, that's where we've got to go. That's where we've got to go. Is that the pain would blow the whistle on the issue so that we could call God in on the issue. So that the pain is actually a blessing in showing us what the real issue is so that we can go below the pain and ask God to begin to enlarge our territories and to stretch us out so that we can endure whatever he's got for us and whatever influence he's called us to live under. That this is what pain does. And, and, and here's, here's our problem probably. This is my problem lots of times is how many of you like telling God what he ought to do? It's like God's our errand boy. Like, hey, go over there, God. <laughs> Fix that, God. Uh, do that. <laughs> and can't you see the Lord on the throne like? <laughs> like, seriously? Like, God won't be taken advantage of because that would perpetuate the immaturity that's in your heart if he allowed you to do that. It's kind of like if you ever helped somebody and then from then on they expected it. And you're like, you misinterpreted my grace that I was showing you there. I better back off and step away so that you can deal with that thing. So that the next time somebody helps you, you won't use abuse and drag them and dry them out. Now, I've never seen it in this light, but when the Lord says he knows what we need before we even ask of it. Do you know what he's saying there? <laughs> He's saying, quit telling me what you need. <laughs> and let me tell you what you actually need. <laughs> Your asking is getting in the way of what he's actually trying to get to in your life. And the thing you're praying away is probably the very thing that's getting to the root of the rejection, the hurt, the pain, and all the other stuff that he's been trying to get to for years. And if you'll just say, God, I'm going to quit telling you what you ought to do in my life, and I want to listen, and you tell me what I need, and you begin to speak into me my identity and my value, because I don't know where I came from, and I don't know where I'm going, but smack dab in the middle of my life, there is 
is a genealogy that I've been grafted into and that I am a child of Abraham, a wild olive branch that's been ripped off of something that it was not and been stuck into the root of Abraham into something that is. And so I have generational momentum if I'll stop looking at my natural birth status, if I'll stop looking at where I come from naturally and I say, God, you've, you've grafted me into the root of Jesse and I have generational momentum in the earth. I don't have to identify there. I can identify with my heavenly father and what he's doing in my life. If you have ears to hear, stop telling God what you need and start asking him, God, what do I need? What do I need? Jabez, prayer here actually is a Jewish formula. And most of the time in these Jewish formulas throughout Scripture, it's it's recorded that he cries out to God and God answers. But typically there's a vow from the person that's giving the prayer out. But here, Ezra saw fit to not include the part that he was saying. I thought, wow, I wonder why he didn't include Jabez vow, his part of the deal. And maybe it was lost in time, I'm not sure. But I feel like if God wanted it in there, God would have made it. He would have made it happen to get it in there, right? So I begin to wonder and just ask him, and here's why I feel like it's not in there. It wasn't as important to have in there what Jabez said his part would be. Because how many of you know Only God can fulfill a vow and can fulfill his promises in the earth. It's not like God looks down and says, wow, this person was so faithful and so impressive that I'm just going to blast them with blessings. It's always the goodness of God in his heart that brings things to pass. And so Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Why? Because his vow was the, was the greatest? No. It was because he could stop in the middle of chaos, that he could stop in the middle of a chaotic society, that he could stop in the middle of being the prophetic declaration of pain being on him, placed on him, and he could stop right in the middle of that and say, Lord, enlarge my borders. Lord, enlarge my coast. God, if you're a God that can redeem anything, then this pain that I'm experiencing Experiencing must be pointing to a future glory that's greater than I can even see, think, or imagine. And so let me take this pain and turn it into a prayer that God would move mountains and do great things despite of everything that I've been through. And what is my... You know what Jabez did? Jabez changed the destiny of every Jabezite that ever existed after that. See, some of us are just letting things happen to us instead of giving them the meaning that's actually the meaning that God would have them to have. That when things happen to us, guess what? You can change the meaning of that thing that happened to you. It's why we can start at the cross and say, wow, that's a horrible moment. The murder of God himself, of the hands of sinful men. And Jesus says, oh no, that's the salvation of the world. You missed it. 
you missed it. That every pain and wound that you've experienced, you can change the meaning. If you've got the courage to stop right where you're at and say, God, I'm tired of causing pain. And right now, I just lift up a prayer unto you. And I ask you to do the most audacious and crazy thing. That in the middle of pain, that in the middle of hurt, that in the middle of trial, God, enlarge my borders. Stretch my coasts. God, let me not be the prophetic pain person that walks into a room. But let me be more honorable than my brothers. Let a city be created in my name. There's a city called pain because a guy prayed. There's a city and a people because the guy prayed. And he had every reason to not be led to cry out. That the book of First Chronicles is this geneal- genealogical record And he's letting these Babylonian exiles that have just gotten back into the land. That even though it feels like you got conquered and then another people just kind of scurried you into a land. In the middle of that you can pray and God can establish your borders. And he can establish your coasts. And so this crazy two verse interruption in nine chapters of genealogy is strategically put there by Ezra to make sure that this exilic community knows that their prayers are heard. That those in captivity are heard. That those who are going through immense pain are heard. And that there's something God's working out that's bigger than they could ask, think, or even imagine. Now there's two tribes in this genealogy. All the tribes are mentioned, but two of them are really central One is Levi and the other one's Judah. Levi was the priestly lineage and Judah was the kingly lineage. And so that's where we find Jabez born into. Jabez is born into Judah's priestly line. That Jabez is a royal son. Now here's the crazy thing about this. Jabez was fatherless. How do we know that? Because his mother named him. And when you were fatherless in this culture, you had no stake in any property, territory, nothing. Because all that in a patriarchal society was built in to the father. Okay? So not only is he in tremendous pain, he's fatherless. Yeah, fatherless. So when you begin to see the backdrop of everything that was against Jabez, the last thing he should have ever done was probably throw up a prayer to God. He could have easily just snuck off into obscurity and just been a name in the Bible that we glossed over just like everyone else. But Jabez, in this genealogy, is the only one credited with words that he actually prayed unto God. That in the heart of this fatherless situation of being born into pain, we have this beautiful prayer 
that arises up and that is, touches the throne of heaven that is recorded here in First Chronicles. That just because Jabez had the cards stacked against him, all it did was create a bigger prayer on the inside of him. And this is what we've got to do. The cards might be stacked against you, okay? It's life. But how do you interpret that being stacked against you? Does that make you want to give up and walk away or complain or blame or be a victim? I submit to you that it should create a prayer in your heart that is so big and so audacious and so beautiful and so wonderful that God begins to move heaven and earth and begin to come down in the middle of your situation and begin to do great and mighty things through you because that is who he is and that's what he wants to do. That in the middle of a chaotic time, in the middle of not having a father, that in the middle of not having a, a heritage and not having any, anything that he could inherit or have, he cries out and says, God, give me more than everybody else. That he interprets the pain that gave him the bigger ask from God. The pain was so big, the prayer had to be bigger. And whatever you're experiencing, the devil is trying to get you out of solution mode and into complain mode. Because the more you complain, the less your brain's going to orient to figure out solutions. And the more you're going to feel sorry for yourself, and the more you're going to create. You know what fear does? Fear puts flesh on the devil. Fear puts flesh on the devil. So we have to get out of these ways. What does Jabez say? Jabez's prayer says this, that even though I might not have an earthly father, I've got an advocate in heaven who's a father to the fatherless. And, and, and this is what he had this is the DNA of what he had gotten in his heart. It lets us know that we can bring our pain to God and that he wants to hear us and he wants to help us. Jabez's brothers had fathers and Jabez didn't have a father and it looked like it was hopeless. But in actuality, Jabez is the one that's exalted to the one that has a town under his influence and under his covering. Despite the incurring of the covenantal peril of fatherlessness, Jabez was a true son of Abraham, and he's in the lineage of David. His pain prepared the way for him to receive God's blessing, and it is here in God's merciful comfort to Jabez. And this is where we see him beginning to cry out amidst the pain. Let's us know that we can ask for blessings because we serve a God who enjoys blessing his ch children. It's honorable to want to stop pain because hurting people often do hurt other people. But Jabez is more honorable because he wants the pain to stop with him. He didn't want pain to define him anymore, nor did he want it to be a part of his legacy. So be honorable today because you don't have to spread your pain. 
you can have God fill you with his influence and provision. And in the middle of feeling like you have no voice, you have no advocate, you can call out to the father of the fatherless and he'll hear your prayer, stretch you out, bless you. John chapter 16, verse 21 and 22. When a woman gives birth, she has distress because her time has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the suffering because her joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. That God takes the pain and turns it into something that's actually redemptive. Check this out. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. And this is widely debated on how to, how to interpret this, but I think it's really pretty simple. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. And Adam was not deceived... But the woman, because she was fully deceived, fell into transgression. But she will be delivered through childbearing if she continues in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Here's what this tells me here. That part of the curse when Adam and Eve sinned was pain and childbearing. But it's that very curse and that very pain that God uses to bring the Messiah through and born into a woman. In other words, he chooses the one that messed up first, Eve, and says, have you ever thought about this? The scripture says that, the, um, that Eve's seed will be against the serpents. I want to just kind of say this. Women don't have seeds. They have eggs. They have embryos. You know what God's saying? Uh, men, you're going to have no part in this. Me and Eve's going to come together on this one. And it's her seed that's going to bring about the Messiah. And man, you're not going to have anything to do with this. In other words, he takes the one that's the lowest, considered the lowest, okay? It's okay, women. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you here. The one that's considered the lowest and looked over and no status and no voice, he goes, yeah, that's the one I'm using to bring the Messiah through. And no man is going to have any part of this. It's going to be me and her. That Paul says childbearing is going to be the means that I'm going to use to save. In other words, it's going to be the greatest pain that's going to bring about the greatest deliverance in human history. That it's going to be through pain that the Messiah is going to come. That it's going to be in the place least likely that nobody else would look for. And it's going to be in the womb of a young teenage girl. Don't you dare put a value on what's in a womb. Don't you dare. 
because you don't know the deliverance that God's gonna bring because he generally only brings it through a painful process. This is how we're saved. Pain. A teenager's cry in the middle of pain. (laughs) And out comes a Messiah. (laughs) That God hovers over chaos. That's the picture in Genesis 1. It's a picture It's it's romantic language of the Holy Spirit brooding over and the picture within the womb is, is the earth is without form and void. In other words, it's a womb that's not yet been filled. And the Holy Spirit is brooding romantically over that which he's about to create and to speak into. That that which was out form and void and chaos, that's the very place where God says, let there be light. Let there be order. Let there be life. Let this emptiness be filled. Let all that has seemingly looks impossible and a situation that cannot be redeemed. Oh yeah, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to hover and brood. And that's the place where God wants to speak. It's where God speaks. It's his pattern. Don't let your chaos think that you're disqualified from a touch or promise of God. Because it's the most chaotic place that God is hovering waiting to interject himself where he can start bringing light and life and order. That would you turn your pain into a prayer that you can move from pain to posterity. In Jesus' name, would you bow your heads with me? Lord, God, we ask you to we ask you to come move on our hearts. God, that we would turn our pain to a prayer. That we would turn our excuses into the legitimacy of honest conversation. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. God, every one of these shirts and clothing up here is going on the life of someone that matters. (laughs) And probably someone has experienced tremendous pain. 
But in spite of the pain, God, when they put on the T-shirt, God, that they would let out a prayer. (laughs) That would say, oh, God, that you would bless me indeed. That you would enlarge my territories. That you would expand and stretch me beyond my wildest imagination. Not just for me, but so that everything under me could be covered by the deep work that you're doing in my heart. Yeah. So God, we turn our pain into a prayer. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. You say, I'm in tremendous pain. Would you stand to your feet right now? get real honest and say there's hurt that nobody knows about and I put up walls (laughs) put up tremendous walls amen walls are going to come down (laughs) walls are going to come down is there anybody else brave in this moment. God wants to do something. <laughs> We're family here. <laughs> We're family here. You don't have to be afraid. Don't let the devil whisper to you and tell you, oh, they're all going to laugh at you. No, that's not right. We're all going to cheer for you. Is actually what we're going to do here. This is a safe place. You that are standing, would you come up here to the front? up here this isn't to make a show or point you out it's just it's just confession here's what I want you to do <laughs> I want you to lift your hands and do the opposite of what you think you should do and I just want you to ask God to bless you <laughs> oh man come on you've cried enough you've wept enough Why don't you just ask God to just bless your socks off and ask him to turn it all for good and his glory because he is that good. He is that good. Can I have some prayer people? I have some prayer people up here. God, we ask you to come. We ask you to come. We ask you to come. Every pain, every hurt, redeemed. 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 Turn your pain into a prayer.
Your name means more than pain. <laughs> God has put his name on you. It says you're the one in whom he loves. The one in whom he's kept all this time. <laughs> How many times could you have died and he kept you alive? you, kept giving you breath and kept providing his provision so that you'd be informed of how much he loves you. Don't look at the pain, look at the provision that got you this far. So when you didn't think you could take another step, God give you the strength to keep taking steps. And it's led you to here, it's led you to today. right now bless my friends bless my friends in Jesus name I want to do something real quick if everybody in here could grab a pack of shirts or a pack of something and just pray over it and just just pray over it if you would just anybody that's not praying in your seat everybody get a pack and just intercede over it presence of God. Come on, I need some people to help me pray over these. Come on, help me out. You can pray over them. You need to intercede over them. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.